one of the things I've often talked about before, and I'll just kind of mention this brief example. Well, there's many examples today, so just follow along because they, they're like a bouncy ball today, a lot of examples. So um, one of them is when you're climbing a mountain, when you're climbing a big mountain, you always start in the middle of the night, which kind of confounds people initially. Like, why in the world would you climb a big dangerous mountain in the middle of the night? And so the reason that you do that is because um, that's when the mountain is actually the most safe. Everything is the coldest and it's the most solidified. So avalanche, danger, ice fall, rock fall, everything is like frozen solid into the mountain or the most it'll be during, during that whole 24 hour period. And so you start in the middle of the night so that you reach the summit usually by kind of early light. And then you can get down again out of those dangerous areas by the time that full sun hits the mountain. Because if you're out in the dangerous parts of the mountain with the full sun um, hits it, that's when things are the most dangerous. So one of the things that we hear Jesus talk about in the gospel is this darkness in this light example. And I just can't tell you how many times I've just been freezing cold walking in the middle of the night with just the tiny little spotlight of a headlamp. And just like today, as we say, like these rose vestments, that symbolic color for rejoicing, for rejoicing, I cannot tell you how thankful I have been when you just start to see over the horizon, the sky start to glow just a little bit because you know that the sun is beginning to rise in, in that cold, in that darkness, in that struggle is soon going to be over. You're actually going to be bathed in, in light eventually and be able to see your way and start to actually warm up. I think many people, either personally or somebody in your family or, or people that you know and that you're close to, have lived in the darkness, have not been walking in the light of Christ and knows what that feels like. But this is a great transition, not just in our Lenten season, but it's a great transition in the conversion of every believer. When you step out of the darkness of sin and you actually step into living in God's light and let that fill you and warm you and allow you to do things where the inside of your life matches the outside. The few things I've been preaching on over this Lenten period are one of the big things that we do in our sacrifices, in our giving, our charitable works, and in our prayer is seeking to remove obstacles out of our life. Because if we're living in the darkness, we have many obstacles between us and Jesus Christ. And he said, if you are in the darkness, then you are not in the light that you're actually already condemned. So we seek to remove obstacles between us and God. And the way I've talked about that we do that is the same way that we build that relationship with each other through conversation and time is the same way that we build that relationship between the Lord of the universe. We have to remove obstacles that are in the way between us spending time with Christ and also speaking with him and being able to hear him. There's a lot of noise in the life. So most of this, most of this is all about the transitions in our life. So there's a movie, um, and I'll explain the title here in a minute. There's a movie that was in the, 
in the 90s, well before John Favreau created The Mandalorian and Elf and Iron Man, and he did all these amazing movies. He was in this movie in the early, kind of a cult classic movie in the 90s called Swingers. Now, before your minds run away with you, this is not infidelity in like marriage kind of swingers. They were talking about more like big band swing music. Oh, that's like swinging, man. You know, it's kind of like that's the, the, the title of swingers. So this is Vince Vaughn and John Favreau before they had become famous people. And throughout this whole movie, John Favreau's character had just broken up with a longtime girlfriend. And the theme of the whole movie is he's just complaining incessantly and just lamenting this breakup all of the time. And he has all of these good friends around him, and they continue to try and cheer him up all throughout the movie, right? But he still just complains and whines about it all the time. Some of you might have been in either of the position, the listening friend that gets tired of your friend complaining about their breakup all of the time, or you might have been the one being the complainer, complaining about your breakup and how sad and sorrowful you are. But it comes to this amazing head towards the end of the movie, where the night before he had actually met a, a new girl and they danced together, and they kind of exchanged numbers with one another. But the next morning he's still sad and he's in a sad little apartment and he's sitting up against the wall and his friend comes to cheer him up and to talk to him. And so they're talking to one another about the breakup. And then he's like, well, when you broke up with, you know, with your ex-girlfriend, he's just like, oh, how, how long did it last? You know, what it was like. And he was just like, well, he was just like, you know, I don't know, it seems like, a, you know, it lasted a really long time at times. And then all of a sudden you, you, you start to feel all the pain, but then all of a sudden kind of goes away. And then he's like, and then you even miss the pain. And then John Favreau's character's like, you miss the pain? And he's just like, yeah, because you've lived with it so long, just like you live with them. Sometimes you almost miss the pain in this kind of transition. And so he feels a little bit better about himself because his friend sort of is like, I've been there. You will get over it, I promise. And so then what happens after that scene? As he gets a call. After all this time, just when he's starting to get over things, right, he gets a call from the ex, he gets a call from the new girl from dancing the night before. And he's like, oh my goodness. And he's like really excited about this. And then what happens? There's another call on call waiting. And who is it? The ex-girlfriend finally calls him back right when he's talking to the new girl on the phone. And then in that moment, what happens? He clicks back over to the ex-girlfriend, and he's like, I gotta go. <laughs> and so he finally shifts over in that moment, even when that girl was coming back to his life. This is a great transitional part. And at the very end of the movie, at the end of that scene, the song that plays is Dean Martin, I'm Beginning to See the Light. This is what transition often looks like in our life. A whole lot of pain and suffering until we transition. But this is the part, the, the, the problem. The battle, the race, is often won and lost in the transition. So I'll tell you about one of the most terrifying moments of my life, which was only a year ago. So a year ago, I had this terrifying academic experience called Alexio Corum. And Alexio Corum is an hour and 10 minutes of terror between you and three of your professors. This is the final test that you have before you receive your, your license in theology. 
And so you've already written your thesis, submitted your thesis, and then these three professors, basically you have to teach your teachers a class. And so you teach your teacher a class for 40 minutes, and then the rest of the time, they just question you on everything about spiritual theology, about your thesis, about all these different things. And so the topic for my Lectio Quorum was St. Catherine of Siena and the Bridge of Christ Crucified. And one of the priests on my board is probably the foremost Catherinian scholar in the world right now on St. Catherine. He had just published a new book. It was completely sold out on Word on Fire because Bishop Barron loved it so much. Completely sold out right when I'm about to give this presentation. So I'm like, I have to teach Father Murray about St. Catherine. He's written like three books on St. Catherine. So I really was like terrified. It was the most terrifying academic experience in my life. But when I was presenting the material, I was explaining how St. Catherine talks about there are stages in our religious life, but we don't necessarily, it's not always an exponential rise straight to heaven. Sometimes we kind of wade back and forth in between these phases on our way up. It's our spiritual life is a lot like regular life. It's not a straight path. There's like undulations and detours that I've often talked about. Again, remember, God doesn't show us the path. He doesn't illumine the whole thing. Like we hear from St. Paul, we take a step with that gift of faith, and then he illumines that path under our feet. Because if we saw all the detours and the difficulties, we would never follow that path. So he gives it to us gradually. So in this Lexio Quorum, this isn't even one of these examples I prepared. It just came up off the top of my head, which just shows you that the Holy Spirit is active in our lives when we really need it. And so I said, in the sport of triathlon, there's three different sports you're competing in. You swim, and then you get on a bicycle, and then you run. And so it's often said that the sport of triathlon is won and lost in the transitions. So the people that tend to win, all of the people you're competing at are good swimmers, good cyclists, and good runners. And some are going to be better at, better at one thing or the other, but it all kind of comes out in the end so that you're very close together. But how do people win? It's the people that go get out of the water and can get their bike helmet on and their cycling shoes on and get on that bicycle as quickly as possible. It's the person that as soon as that bicycle gets into the transition area, that they can get their cycling shoes off and put their running shoes off on and start running. The people that win are the ones that do not dawdle in the transition periods of their life. They move quickly from one stage to the other because those transition periods can be black holes of darkness where we get ourselves caught and start wandering in our life. An example that happened to me just recently, as you all know, so when I was sick with COVID, this is, thank God, for, for spiritual formation and things like that, because I saw all the signs. I saw it was all coming, right? I'm sick, right? And after a while, the complacency starts to kick in. You know, you're home, and you're in the darkness, and you're just like, oh, I can't wait till I get out of here. But then, like Gollum in The Lord of the Rings, you start to kind of like, like the darkness. You're like, oh, my precious. You know, you're just, you're sort of, you have no demands on your time or anything like that. And another great example, like I said, a lot of examples today. I was talking to Amanda, our youth minister, and she'd said, 
right after the lockdown happened a year ago, the first couple months she asked her youth, you know, how is everybody doing? How do you guys feel? Oh my gosh, I can't wait to go back to school. I just want to go back to school already. This is terrible. I hate it and stuff. And so everybody wanted to go back to school. She asked them the same question about a month ago when some of them had the opportunity to return to school. Are you guys ready to return to school? Actually, no, I'm not excited about returning to school at all. I would like to remain in my little cave because all of a sudden, everything is on your time and there's no demands on you. And you start to turn things inward on yourself. And I started to like feel this. I was like, oh my gosh, all my time is my own. I don't have to be here really early for the 8 a.m. mass. I can do whatever I want. You know, that, and I was just like, and so my earliest day I would have been able to return to the parish would have been on Ash Wednesday. So I call Father Carey and I beg him. I was like, Father, please let me return on Ash Wednesday because I knew it is not good for man to be alone. <laughs> I was alone too long. You know, ultimately it ended up being 18 days all by myself. And then he said, oh, Father Peter, we just want to be ultra safe, so maybe you should wait until Saturday. Oh, so my, my hopes were dashed. But at least I can see the light on the horizon in that transition period. So this is the important thing. This is really the lesson in our spiritual life. There are times, and they often coincide with just our normal life, when you feel consoled or happy in the spiritual life, often things are going pretty good in regular life. Often periods of dryness in prayer and the spiritual life can coincide with difficult things in life life, in just the living of your daily life. But the important thing is you have to persevere through the darkness. You cannot let it suck you down so that you stay there longer than you need to be there, because that's where the real danger is, is when we kind of wallow in that self-pity and the darkness of sin, when we get stuck in that spot. And so it's like, this is the point where it's like somebody might come to me and say, Father, I'm praying the prayers, but I don't feel the prayers. I'm coming to Mass, and I'm having trouble paying attention to all of these different things. That might be a little bit of spiritual oppression. It might be some darkness in separation. But that's really what separates true believers from non-believers. That's when, just like that mountaineering example, I know that I have to continue walking through the cold in the darkness until the sun rises, until it gets there. That is when you continue the practice. The practice, the habit, becomes the important thing at that point in your life. And that's what we build during Lent. We willingly give up things to build up good spiritual habits so that when we need to rely on them, we can rely on them. Because it's easy when we feel the consolation of God, when we're excited about our faith, when we have a holy hour that goes by in two minutes and we felt like the Lord was present with us the whole entire time, or, or Mass, or, or something I said or Father Carey said really touches you. But it's the times when it does not that you have to keep moving forward because that is exactly the point at which the devil will tell you, you are not getting anything from this. Why don't you just walk away? 
What do you get from going to Mass? Nothing. You can't pay attention to anything. You can't even get through your prayer commitments that you promised to do during this Lent. I promise you that is a voice of a spirit of evil. And that is when you keep doing the practice until you reach the other side. That is the path to heaven, is to continue to persevere through those times of darkness. We can't dawdle in the transition periods in between because that, that's when a lot of people get completely lost, is from one stage to another. But I know you can all do it. And I guarantee you, I can look upon you, and I know some of you personally, that you are in some of these dark transition times. Continue to persevere in coming to Mass, going to confession, doing your daily prayers, even if it's the most dry and painful thing that you will ever do. That offering is still an offering to God, and it still has the greatest value, even though you can't completely feel it in that moment. It's much of what St. Mother Teresa talked about in life. We have to persevere. We are a people that perseveres. And so this color today reminds us to rejoice in the light of Christ and to do anything that you can to step out of that darkness and move closer towards him. God bless you all today.